Today I'm speaking with Pilar Garcia-Yakar, an executive and leadership coach and facilitator for over 15 years. She has a fascinating, diverse background. A computer science graduate, she started as a programmer and went on to become an engineering manager, product manager, and director of product marketing before transitioning into coaching and facilitating full-time. For over a decade, she's been a certification faculty member at the Coaches Training Institute, holding the roles of certification pod leader, supervisor, and examiner. Fun fact, by the age of 22, she had lived in 19 different homes across South America, the U.S., and Europe. In this episode, we talk about coaches as facilitators of dialogue and experience, holding yourself with compassion and curiosity, overcoming nervousness and that feeling of being tested, the value of referring clients to others, how to bring more goofy and playfulness into coaching, why conflict is important, and the value of having a support network on the journey, and more. There's some occasional background noise, and I've decided to leave it in because this show is all about embracing our messiness and imperfection. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Here we go. Hi, Pilar. It's an honor to have you here. Thanks for being on the show. So happy to be here and be part (laughs) of the the commencement of this beautiful project. So I'm curious, what made you say yes to this? We were talking a little bit before and... And it's funny that we meet there, no? And in noticing that as part of our journeys, and definitely you are directing this spot to coaches who are beginning. Um, so the idea of reminding people that they're being held by something greater and that something greater shows up with voices like yours and mine faces, um, experiences that show up in their lives. But just that reminder that they can trust in the process of life. And also, you know, I think that there's always that sort of, there's an intention and you throw a little rock into the pond and there's the ripples. Well, I hope the ripples will be ripples of greater trust and humanity. And that's why maybe said yes. It was mm. like, oh, I love this idea of just having a conversation human to human that is about coaching and about our journey as coaches, but that reminds every coach out there that they are human, that they have permission to be that, that they don't need to be superhuman to be at the service of others, and to remind them also that they're held in their humanity. Hmm. Yeah, there's almost this impression that as a coach, you need to be, you know, you need to know it all or have all the answers. You need to be superhuman. You know, how do you think about the the growth and the evolution of a coach, you know, from the perspective of someone who might be starting out? I think that the growth uh, is going to look so different for each human being. Each coach is a human being with their own story, their own tendencies, their own shadow. I think that the common experience is that because you're working with others in their conscious transformation, you become more conscious of your own. 
Now, that can be super liberating, but it can also be very scary and frustrating, right? Because over and over again, you will find your humanity. You will find that, that crit inner critic or saboteur, however you call it, that you thought that you were in a healthy relationship with, there comes a situation in your life where all of a sudden something very similar appears with a different mask. And then there's a question of, oh my God, all of the work that I've done, has it served me for anything? And I think coaches, as therapists, as psychologists, every person that is in this field of human evolution and development and consciousness is going to find themselves in the process with these questions. It's like the spiral where you meet certain things over and over again. Um, so for a starting coach, it's, it's, it's hold yourself with compassion and curiosity just you know and and know that it's at the service of what you do with others also the more curious you can be with yourself and not think that you have found the answer whatever that might be the more curious you can be with the other life is constant transformation it's change it's it's movement it's it's filled with sorrow and sadness and and joy and peace and, and all of it is part of it. So do we really want to get to a place where we will have it all figured out? What would that mean? And how, how would we be able to relate to people who very different experiences in life if, if ours becomes this flat Disney World movie? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, you know, we talk about coaching. How do you describe it to people that haven't heard of it? And how has that evolved over time, the way that you describe it? It's funny. And I think that the first years, it would be mostly in... <laughs> I'm sure a lot of the coaches listening to this will, will relate to that sort of... At the beginning, I would define about what it was not. You know, a lot of people would say, so is it therapy? No, it isn't therapy. So how is it different from therapy? Oh, in this and this way. That became more and more difficult because if you look at the industry and, 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 and the, the research and the knowledge that we have of consciousness, of neuroscience, um, everything that relates to coaching, of human development, of uh, the way we think, of the way we evolve, the way we feel, the way our bodies are related to our mind, all of this has evolved in a way that coaching touches upon so many things that you can no longer say it's completely different from therapy because there are very con cognitive therapies that are very similar. And I've studied... For example, family systems, uh, coaching and therapy, and I use it in my coaching. So where is the difference? What's, what's really the difference between? And you can say it's not consulting because uh, I don't 
tell my clients what to do. True, I don't tell my clients what to do, but I will offer things. I might offer a book. I might offer an exercise. Of course I offer things. That they have the power to say, yes, no one could design with me. That's a different thing, but it's not a lack of offering ideas. It's not that I have to shut up and only ask them questions. Um, So I began from saying what it was not. That started to shake up because it felt fake at some point. It was like, it was very forced. And then the question of what is it really for you, Bilal? If you take... I would memorize how people would describe it, you know, schools of coaching and ICF. This is the programmer in me, like <laughs> the scientific <laughs> mind. How do these people describe, oh, this coach that I like, let's see what they say about it. Right? Um, and that's how we learn. We learn by, by also seeing the speech of others. To find my own definition where, for me, what I do as a coach and when I do training is to facilitate. So I'm a facilitator and I am, I, I facilitate. And in coaching specifically, what I facilitate is a dialogue of the client with himself, if it's one-on-one, and an experience of what is emerging. Hmm. So I have two facilitations, the dialogue part, which is needed for the client to be able to become conscious and aware and a choice eventually um, in the narrative of their lives and the facilitation of the experience, which is for me where coactive changes the game for me, which is what is the experience like for the client and how do I facilitate what is trying to happen? Um, so that's what I say nowadays that I do. And people get it. They have a lot of questions, but they get it. And if not, you can always, you know, um, you can always give examples that are very simple of how I think that in a, in a human experience, the way that we learn, we might not have had one coach but we've had those interactions that have facilitated that we see what we couldn't see before because we were just in one perspective, that, that we stop and feel and give space to the emotions. And so that's what we're great at as coaches, that you, know, that, that you look at cognitively what are the ideas and the scheme of things. You know, if to make a plan or to create an algorithm, I could write, you know, the flow of information, whatever. But when it came together, would be when I get would get together with my team, and we would start running it. And somebody would say, "Wow, Pilat, here we would get stuck, and this is what would happen." And that's how we do it. So why do we think that self development is something that can happen alone? It never happens alone. The thing is, life presents you this, and in a more complex world, you have had the resurgence of our profession. That is, you can actually find somebody who is trained professionally and committed to be that voice at your service. 
that is going to facilitate your dialogue that is going to bring you a different perspective that is going to to show you when you know when the rock is appearing if we take your metaphor of how you said you know about indiana jones stepping unknown so sometimes you know you need somebody that says hey can't you see the stone it's right there yeah. and then obviously you say oh yeah it happened to me hiking this weekend i was i was so climbing down something and I couldn't see where to put my foot. And my son said, mommy, here's where you need to put your foot. And he took my foot until I felt it. And it was like, oh, now I can go down. Hmm. So it's not forcing something. It's it, the place to put my foot was there. He didn't create it. And as a coach, it's pretty much the same. You know? So yeah, I think that, you know, my... It has evolved also in that I'm more creative in the way that I explain it. I don't try to be all professional about it. Because sometimes then we go to platitudes and big words that for a lot of people either don't make sense or, or, or create a space of distrust. Yeah. I love what you're saying about being a facilitator. And I think something that I came across a few months ago that I really love is being in this role of being a facilitator of learning and this idea of helping the client learn about themselves. It's a process of self-discovery and then a process of, I would say, expression of the things that are happening and like what they're learning. And so being able to uh, you know, create the space where you allow someone to learn about themselves that for me is just a really powerful metaphor. Yes, it is. And it is a facilitation of learning, a facilitation of conversation, a facilitation of an experience. Um, but ultimately, it's standing besides the client and knowing when maybe you need to stand in the back on the other side or go forward a little bit, no? Sometimes you go forward a little bit and you tell them, here's the leap. Yeah. I'm here for you to take it. So it is a dance. It's always interesting and it's, and it's always interesting for both the client and the coach. So I think that one thing that I talk about more than I used to when I began was the privilege that I'm grateful for as, as a coach when I talk about coaching. The, what is it about it that, um, that I still find fascinating and will never stop to find fascinating? Can you elaborate on that a bit more? No matter who you work with, it's almost like you get to discover the universe, you know, you, there's people are the same and super different. And when you really are in this intimate relationship with another human being, they will never cease to surprise you. So in, in that embracing of the surprise, there's also a knowing that life will never cease to surprise me in my own experience. 
And I find that a huge gift that I don't know that I would have discovered or been able to embrace if I had dedicated my life to a different type of work. I don't know. Yeah, people are so fascinating and messy, aren't we? <laughs> That's part of what makes it really fun for me is just you're so messy and and there's so much richness there. Yeah. And there's the patterns and what, you know, that which makes us all human where you can start seeing patterns and where we can, but then there is, um, there is the mystery, right? And I think that that's where we are lucky because we, we, we are constantly facilitating within that realm of our uncertainty and mystery. There is not one person that stays in coaching, I won't say comes to coaching, but that stays in coaching who is not really open, even if it's just a little bit and with a lot of resistance to change. And, and that is opening up the door to uncertainty, to that which is outside the comfort zone. So, so yeah, it's like we get to work with that heartbeat of life. That's where even physically, you know, when you think opening the door to the unknown is that. (laughs) There are uh, two themes that I have been hearing as you've been speaking. One is about awareness and the other is about choice conscious choice. And as you talk about, you know, this idea of being on a rock wall or something um, and either being aware or sort of not aware of like what the next hold is, you know, can you talk a bit more about why those two pieces are so important and such a part of the, the process? In order to see what is or to be in relationship with what is to dance with what, life with what is happening, what is right now, not what was two seconds ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. Everybody can relate to having stayed in something where they were in relationship with what should have been or what was and not with what is. Okay, But in order to be with what is, you need to develop awareness. You need to develop the ability to observe yourself. I, I believe that awareness comes only in presence. So that's when mindfulness, mindset, meditation, all of these things are now so um, present in our world. You know, when I read Eckhart Tolle for the first time, nobody knew what it is. Now go to any European airport and you have it at the airport. Okay. So there is a need. We know that we're lost. We're lost in all of the information on the phones. And we need to stop something that to our parents and grandparents, it was easier. It was easier to sort of observe. Observe and, and not get so attached to our own experience. So... If coaching is about facilitating 
um, what I would say facilitating for the sake of if the ICFF talks about um, maximum potential, I would talk about maximum aliveness or maximum life affirmingness mm -hmm. as an entity. No, that's that's what we're holding for our clients, that they can be the most feel the most whole and creative and have access to the resourcefulness as much as they can, right? So awareness is my ability to step out of my story and create a space of choice. Without awareness, there is no choice. There's only one thing. This defines me. I am this. I am whatever. I am, I am too shy or too fat or too clumsy or don't know enough about this or don't know enough about that or should have been that and that or whatever the story might be that is limiting us into believing that this is the only way I am. And as we become aware, we can step back and we can see that actually we can be both whatever it was that we thought we were, generous and selfish. And how does it change when we experience more of our wholeness? So when I start experiencing my wholeness, I experiment, I take action, I choose. I choose to, you know what? So many women today are choosing, I get to have a selfish moment. Our mothers, it was really much more difficult. They had to excuse it. They had to and create conflict or shut up about it and try to get it. And we can sort of stand in our center and say, I need a, time, a moment for myself. And I know I'm okay with that. So we are expanding the way that we can be. It's not that we want to be like that all the time, but that we can choose. And right now, no matter what, I'm not going to, you know, this weekend I woke up early, we were on vacation, and I took all of the ingredients to make the kids pancakes. I, was, I don't like the mornings. I was half asleep. But in that moment, it was just about, I want to give them a treat in the morning that they'll wake up and have their pancakes. And that's what guides me. And it's conscious and I don't feel bad about it nor I complain about it afterwards and say, oh, I wish I could have slept because I got to be grounded on it. I got to choose it. It didn't choose me in that sense. So these two things for me make up for a fulfilled life, a life that is that is life affirming, that is human, that that can be much more creative, and we need that right now, and much more inclusive of nature and the species that surround us, and the people that think very differently from us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, we're lucky coaches because we're at the I think that we get the opportunity to be at the front of that sort of conscious experience for humanity. Cool. I'd love to chat a bit more about your journey and what some of the challenges were, especially in the early days and how you navigated those. Wow, many challenges. Um, getting clients, 
I think that you know the 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 I had to find very different parts of myself and include them to be able to be more matter of fact about it and also the experience. So that was a big challenge. Sort of how do I explain to people? How do I like I had a network, but embarrassed or sort of felt even if at the beginning beginning even if I would do trial sessions I would be so nervous before it I didn't wouldn't think about it as I was offering a present to somebody that could take it or not the way that I might see it today my perspective was more like I was being tested again um so I think that that was a huge learning for me you know, to stop feeling that I was being tested hmm. but going back to what we were saying about being held, but rather that I was being held in this journey. Well, Can you give us an example of one of the parts of yourself that you had to reintegrate? Um, one of it was, and still is, okay, but the first time it ever happened was I had a, client who called me for a trial session i used to do trial sessions then still and i just couldn't connect with this person just i didn't he's an amazing human being but i just the connection wasn't there um and i needed him i think i was finishing my hours for certification hmm. and I also I, I, I had left my profession I had left sort of a career of earning very good money and, and very stably and I was, I, I was you know that all of the training that has to do with coaching is extremely expensive so it was like and I was very very scared economically so I remember thinking, what do I do? What do I do? I have to say yes, because I need the hours, because I need this. Da, da, da. And a part of me is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. It's just not, your heart isn't in it. Don't do it. And I, I, it was like having, I'll never forget that night of like having like the devil and the angel me. <laughs> and with very, with very sincere arguments between them. And I was working with the Lama back then. I was doing some um, first years of really delving into meditation. And I had shown him a picture of me that, that summer, sort of in the water and, and talking about that experience of sort of meditating in the water. And he said to me, so the answer is here, you know, in this picture. And he was like, what, that I let myself go and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'll say yes and we'll see and let myself go. And intuitively, and this is, was one of the lessons was that I, I keep on learning, is, is letting myself be guided by that thing that I cannot explain and that might not make sense, but feels that aligns everything within me. For that second, it makes sense to me. It's in my heart and... It's in my belly and I can move from it. And to dare to say no. So I called, called me up or I called him up and, 
and said, listen, I think you should try with a couple of other colleagues of mine and, and see who might be a better fit. I have the feeling that you'd be better with someone else. And fair enough, he took one of my colleagues as a, as a coach. Since then, I think he's one of the people that throughout my career has sent me more clients because I did this, because I told them I wouldn't work with him because I felt that our connection wasn't what I, and it wasn't that I was scared or whatever, it was just, it was just something very intuitive. Yeah. So um, that's an example of, a, of, of me learning to trust that, um, to embrace and, and stand up in that sort of integrity and to be so be open to be surprised. Now I think that the first time that somebody called me and gave him as a reference, which was actually a very interesting project I did in the corporate world, I was in awe of that. I couldn't believe he had recommended me. Uh -huh. We never worked together. So Wow. Have you ever had the experience of saying yes to someone where you didn't feel that connection? How did that play out? Yes. I think the only client that I, no, there's been a couple of clients, but this was a client that it was really a very intuitive sensation that I wasn't the, not because I didn't like him, because again, we've been in interaction years after, um, and, and not because I didn't like him, but because I felt that I wasn't the right person. And, and, and that was an intuition that following it proved itself right. There are people with whom I have felt, mm, I wouldn't work with somebody I don't like in the sense of somebody that if I see they, because then the whole idea of being able to hold them magnificent and resourceful, and then it's, it's, it wouldn't be authentic and I'm not God. No. I'm, I'm just a human being, I get a, I'm a very loving human being, but I'm not God. So, you know, some, and I have had the case of somebody like this, that really the personality was, oof, no. And so I refer to them. Wasn't the case of the intuition. With the ones that the connection wasn't so, mm, I have always asked how they felt and in the cases that I have worked is where they felt, yeah, I do want to work with you. Even though I have named, you know, just feels like there's something lacking mm. here. You really feel that you want to work with me. And they have said, yes, I have worked with them. And, and discovered that connection changing throughout time, of course. Yeah. But I don't work with people that I don't respect and love. Yeah. Yeah, part of what I'm learning is for me, I really need to believe in someone. Because if I don't believe in them, I can't bring my best self into that relationship. And that's not to say that they aren't worth believing in, just that perhaps we aren't the right match. And that's one of the things yeah. that I use you know, to determine. I'm really excited to ask you this next question. Um, what was your journey like in terms of believing 
in your own abilities to coach? <laughs> As a computer scientist, I've always been a good developer. So I always saw my bugs. I still see them with ease. I think in my journey, I had to quiet that down. So, you know, I always talk about when I supervise, I always talk about being compassionately critical of one's own coaching. Um, I think that I say that a lot because I had to learn that for myself right? and to know that there's always learning to be had, always something more that you can know, that you, a way you can connect maybe faster, easier with Marshall. Um, in certain occasions, but clients are in themselves our teachers. And so I think that the most important thing that shifted in the way that I believed in myself was that I could do no harm. Hmm. That was the first step in so. I think that at the beginning of my journey, I was, you know, I had the same experience that I have some colleagues, some of them coaches, some of them um, psychologists or therapists that we've talked about this, of, of being in a place where you know that you're, you're working with people sometimes in their most vulnerable and there is a, there is a, um, there is a fear of doing harm. And I think that when I started to, to really step into and embody the um, not that I could do no harm period but that um, I wasn't doing harm by not being the best saying the perfect question or the whatever you know or catching the exact nuisance or then something freed up to be more playful um, and so, and, and in that, what helped me also was in those cases where I had clients, where I had questions, where I wasn't sure of um, what was happening with them or, you know, these this clients that take you to the edge where you, you, you know, the client tells you they've been crying a lot they, and they've stayed two days in bed. So the, 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 light opens up of wait 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 is this going towards a depression is this something that i want to am i capable of dealing with it now all of these questions that sort of bring that fear of can i hurt this person so i think that one of the things that have helped me believe in myself better is also to have available professionals with whom i consult in certain moments when i'm not sure with the permission of my clients and having that humility and sort of that seriousness of reaching out to a psychologist or a therapist or and and saying listen this is what's happening what is, what is your opinion on that mm. um has been extremely extremely valuable for my own trust in myself i think i think this is a great segue what would you say is your unique magic that you bring into your relationship with your clients? I can tell you what my clients say. I think that reflects best. 
it's easy for me to be non-judgmental. So that brings sort of, it, it, it's like a fountain that opens up. And in in one-on-one -on -one coaching or even in teams coaching, I think that what that enables is for me to be very serious and deep and and profound and at the same time super goofy and playful and humorous <laughs> so i think that's that's part of my magic i i you know i use embodiment and dance and 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 sometimes even theater and all sorts of things um cards and at the same time i hold this very sort of and I, I believe it, you know, this is serious shit. It's our lives. Our lives are to be taken seriously. And at the same time, it's like, ah, and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I think that's part of on this uh, yin-yangness. And, and, and I think that another part of my magic is, is is the hope and awe that I feel when I'm doing this work. It's a sense of hope and awe. So that's, that enables a lot of things, fun things. I can hear it in your voice when you say it. How might you encourage some of the newer coaches out there who are so rigid on the textbook right now, you know, and have to be a certain way, you know, how can they start to bring in some of that goofiness, playfulness? Mm. I think that one thing is when it's, it's, it's to offer that to their clients, you know, to even be curious and, and they will find out that it's needed and it will be welcomed more than what they believe it will be. So, um, in when we design the alliance, I think that we get to to also offer that. I'm gonna bring my goofy self. I'm gonna not make sense. Is that okay with you? So that there is freedom there, and and definitely for each one, you know, for some people, going goofy is their comfort zone. So actually what they might want to develop as they learn is, is to embrace a little bit more of the seriousness and, and, and the, maybe holding the focus. And for those that are so good at holding the focus and at, you know, that to know that they can trust that, that that's available to them, that go and, you know, do some improv, go dance, go do, in a safe environment, it doesn't have to be now challenge yourself to stand in the middle of the road and do a, a show. But how can you go and embrace that in yourself so that you can bring it also at the service of your clients? Um, and that with, you know, with anything, if, if you are um, the kind of person that is very, you know, uses the body a lot, and, and it feels really comfortable with using embodiment in your coaching and, you know, playfulness. But it's harder for you to go into the thought process today with my client. It was, I had a coaching session today where, 
it was almost like peeling away all of this dialogue that was non-important. And it was a very, he was coming with access to a lot of emotions, but also making a mess. And it was almost like we were organizing the information of, okay, this is important. So if that is harder for you to do or somewhere where you feel more uncomfortable, then maybe that's where you need to go and play some Sudoku or, you know, why can't develop that sort of focus in you and make it playful and fun. Like, I think that this is the, 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 the biggest gift for me as a coach or in this journey as a personal gift is, is that message of life that says, there isn't a limit to what you can learn about yourself, about others, about relationships. It, it's, it's, it doesn't come to a point where that's it, you've got it. And so go be curious, explore, and explore your opposite. Like if you're super comfortable with the emotions and the feeling, whatever, and da -da -da -da, so now try to go and make a plan and see how that works, right? Um, Expand your range. That's and know that we're all doing the same. You're not the only one. No matter how many years of experience and how much we know, how much how many hours we have, we're all still expanding our range. All of us, without exception. And so that's also something to think that, you know, that even if you're at the beginning of your road, you are the same as me, even though I have thousands of hours of experience. Love that. What is your perspective on where the coaching industry is headed? I know what's going to be important in the next five, 10, 15 years. And what's on your mind in terms of what you're thinking about next? Yeah, they're very related to what I'm thinking about next. And I think next, to me, it's like what is needed now next. And so there, there are glimpses of, of, of course, there's a vision. Um, but what is guiding me is seeing, not only in coaching, but in, in our developed societies, um, there is like these two tendencies, one tendency of personal development and coaching, which has taken a very narcissistic approach of, you know, I'm superhuman, I can do whatever I want. Um, that sort of narrative for, for, for people. And the frustration that comes with that, because, you know, sooner or later, you're going to find that that's not true. And so am I guilty because I can't do it? Or am I less worth it? Or, you know, um, so that's a tendency that I'm seeing showing up more and more. And there is another tendency that is the spiritual bypassing tendency. That is the, the I connect to the idea of universe, the idea of love, but I am I'm not really embodying those ideas that need to welcome anger and conflict, for example. So those those two tendencies that are happening, um, I think we, we're seeing them more and more present in the coaching industry. Um, 
we're seeing more and more present in society in general. So we're going to see them more here. What we're seeing also is that the multiplication of number of coaches in the developed world has grown since I started, where in Europe, I would say, oh, I'm doing coaching now. Coaching? What do you mean coaching? What, event sports now? What kind of a coach? What does that mean? You know, that was the dialogue nothing ago, 15, 17 years ago, to something that is very popular. So if before there was more talk of individual or, or team coaching, you know, now there's much more specificity into, you know, if it's communications coaching, leadership coaching. And I think that that's sort of more um, niche-oriented type of um, facilitation or accompanying or partnership is going to be next. Mm. I also think that at least in Europe, what I see is it's 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 uh, it's greater wholeness is being welcomed also in the corporate world. So things that used to be you know impossible to talk about in my world of high tech, um, like the word energy, now is is easier to do, you know, or breathe or breathing or breathing exercises, right? It, it's almost like the world is more open. So I think that there is a greater responsibility for those people that are, because we, we were pioneers. Now it's starting to settle the industry. It's starting to become more, you know, it's less of the, what is that? It's much more of, oh yeah, I've heard of this and this is my opinion about it. They're, um, they're good nor good or whatever opinion they have, but it, we're already something that is known, that is settled. It's a profession that is settling. So I think that is great an opportunity to take a stand in how we want to present this profession or what, what, what really is. And that's going to be personal um, in many ways. But a tendency to, I think that with those two tendencies, there is also one that is much more wholeness oriented, life affirming oriented, that respects practicality and goals as much as emotions and and spirituality and can bring those worlds together and i want to definitely be part of working for that towards that and and that's going to mean also coaches that will work harder on themselves that up until now in the sense that, you know, in most coaching trainings, not in all, but in a lot of coaching trainings, there wasn't really the need to go through in-depth processes as a human being, like a psychologist might have to go through. Hmm. Um, and I, I believe that we're going to, we're seeing more, and we're going to be seeing more of that, of holding that we do to work with other human beings in depth, need to go towards our own personal growth as coaches. So part of what I'm doing right now has to do with with that belief. And it's, I'm, cre I'm creating a small community um, of curious professionals 
that are in conversation and and so far it's in Spanish, but I'm hoping that it will be global soon. Um, just to share ideas, to share content, to, to share in, in our growth and to share projects. And I have, um, I have created and keep on creating experiences whose purpose is one, to work more creatively with the idea of presence and awareness. Um, and the other is for coaches and, and, and directed only to coaches, um, integrating, for example, I have a program that is about the critical voices and inner critics, which are called saboteurs and how do you really work and it integrates Enneagram and all sorts of other things to, to how we work with the tendencies that um, we might encounter in ourselves or with our clients. So again, you see it becomes very sort of very focused towards what are some things that are needed in order to open doors of curiosity. Um, so that's where I'm at. And what I hope for the future is um, that, that we see those narcissistic, only goal-oriented um, tendencies as well as the ones that are more into the spiritual and spiritual bypassing actually turning their heads around towards each other <laughs> maybe or maybe towards the ones that are trying to embrace more but even towards each other so that there are more dialogue that is you know reflected in in, in what we're doing I guess that's my hope for this industry and for the world, no? With all of this division that we're experiencing where it's really hard for people who hold one perspective to turn around and even be curious with what the different perspective is. That's really interesting. What would you say are some of the, the key skills or characteristics that we as coaches really need to develop in order to support this vision in the future? Mm, our ability to hold that everything holds a partial truth, but it's not the total truth. Um, and so curiosity, 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 nonstop. It's, it's hard not to get to those places where we think we, this is it, this is the answer, it's final, right? Um, and sometimes we need to know this is it for me okay I know that mm, these scissors are red okay and it, it, it is what it is they're red um, but if I keep it on there and not you know not be able to be curious with I wonder who held them for the first time after they were done or how were they put in a box? I don't even remember when I bought them. Were they in a box? Were they? When I start to question things and be curious, that's when the possibility for more becomes available. 
of that. I think that's, I have a lot, and laugh a lot. Laugh, mm. laugh, laugh about every mistake you make, and you know, <laughs> every time you get it, with a cloud. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so um, now I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay, go. You ready? Okay. Who's a coach that you admire and why? Jim Patterson. He left us some years ago. I miss him dearly. He was my mentor. Um, why I admired him? Um, his ability to sort of hit you with the truth right in your heart with the most humility and and sort of lightness that you can imagine. Ah, I love that. I really okay. miss them. I admire that. Here's, here's a fun question. If you could magically acquire one artistic skill, what would it be and why? <laughs> why well, I would love to be able, I, I would love to be able to whistle. And I can't whistle. whistle the life. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I was like this. Can't I can't? I've tried. I've been trying for ages. I can't do it. So Isn't I would this sound weird? <laughs> Have you ever tried inhaling on the whistle? Yeah, and then I can do like one, but like a song. I would love to be able to do a song with me. That must feel so cool. Like, can't do it. <laughs> I can do that. That's my question. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, man. What's one tip you have for creating clients? Okay. So for creating them, I don't know, attracting clients. So for attracting clients, my number one tip for starting coaches is tell everyone you know about what you do with passion. So you're passionate about it, and sometimes you can't access it. When you're scared, you might not be able to access that passion. You might be able to do it also. But, you know, talk to people. Tell them what you're finding out, why this work is, 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 is touching you so, and, and offer it. Offer it to as many people as you can. I know that in my career, it was that moment where I started to sort of be proud, you know, like when you say, oh, I'm a sculptor, I do this, and I paint, you know, and that people were more interested. And, you know, it might, the results might not come that day or the next day or in a week, but you will be surprised about the impact that that has in the long run and life will surprise you. So that's, that's I think my number one tip. Talk to everyone you know about what you do and make sure that when you talk about it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be messy and you can even say, yeah, this is like coaching. Coaching can be messy. Explaining coaching can be messy. Um, but do it from a place that where your heart is involved in in what you are putting out to the world. Like, oh, 
guys, I've got this. Anybody want some? <laughs> so good. What's your favorite coaching exercise or activity? Always grounding. I think it, any type of embodiment. Um, so any type of embodiment for whatever is happening or needing needed in the coaching, that's definitely one. Um, and also grounding, like it's having just that little moment of conscious arrival to the space. I think that's definitely another one of my favorites. What activity or hobby outside of coaching has contributed meaningfully to your practice? Why loads, 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 loads. But the first one that came to mind was um, around, what was it, like four years ago? I was looking for an improv group and I, I found an improv group that was in English. I wanted to do it in English. And it was an improv group of very young people that met um, in a park. And I did that for around, I don't know, almost a year. And then it became difficult because of the place and to get there. But ah, it contributed so much to my coaching from the daring because of the discomfort of, of doing this. There were a lot of actors there and I would get completely like, I don't know what to say. Uh, to just being in that sort of out of completely out of my comfort zone, everybody was at least 15 years younger than me. So I felt like I could be everyone's parent <laughs> um, and sometimes acted like so. And it, that was fantastic, just playful, messy and it expanded my range. It showed me a lot about what I can be comfortable with, but I thought I couldn't. And a lot of what actually I'm, I'm still and could still be uncomfortable with and it wouldn't kill me. So um, that's definitely one of the activities. And being a mom. That's just, which is a, an everyday, it's part of my definition more than an activity, but yeah, being a mom and, and so. getting to know my son and have a relationship with him, seeing him for who he is and not for who I wish he could be. Has definitely, definitely taught me at many different levels about my work. Hmm. If you were a dessert, what kind would you be and why? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Some weird thing. I'm creating this weird um, mix between watermelon <laughs> <laughs> and and dark chocolate. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and they have to stand side by side because together it doesn't seem that it's going to be good. 
but watermelon <laughs> because uh, because I love watermelon and I would love to be watermelon. I think you know, what can be more enjoyable than watermelon? <laughs> uh, it's light, it's refreshing, and and sometimes it has the little seeds if it's really like, and so you have to. So, and yeah, I like that. Watermelon because I can be sweet and sort of light, but also like the little seeds. <laughs> and if you bite into the crust, it's not so tasty. <laughs> and and dark chocolate um, because dark chocolate is the best. <laughs> Not that I said that I'm the best, but I, I would love to be like dark chocolate. <laughs> two desserts. I want to be two desserts that nobody says no to. <laughs> That's the conclusion. That's great. That's great. Um, if there's one resource you would recommend for coaches, what would it be? For coaches who are in the beginning of their journey? Sure. I'm going to get my library so I can bring it to you. Ah, leadership this. and self-deception. Yeah. It's super easy reading, super easy. It's, you know, it, it, it talks about something that is at the core of coaching um, and of conscious transformation or evolution which is noticing the impact that my attitude has on what I do and how I'm perceived and how I perceive others and relationship with others. It's by the Arbinger Institute. Okay. Last question here. If there's one piece of advice that you could impart on the audience, what would it be? We began by talking about both my intention and yours of having the listeners of this podcast remember that they're being held by something wider. And um, my piece of advice is surrender to that. You know, you can't be held if you don't let yourself be held. And this speaks also about the relationship with clients, right? We model everything. So there is something where we let ourselves trust into that greater space. We invite our clients also, we can invite more truthfully and authentically our clients to trust into their own, to let themselves be held by their lives and guided by them. That's great. Thank you. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you? Well, actually, as a computer scientist, I had in the first few years of my practice, like a super woo website that I took down years ago. And now I'm in the process of creating something smaller. Um, so I don't have a website at the moment. I can be found in LinkedIn and in Facebook and in Instagram and in all of this um, social media. Must be truthful. I'm not very active. It's funny that actually 
I who began so active in these things, um, I think I'm, I'm one of the first users of LinkedIn, one of the first users of Skype. Um, I'm not, I haven't been in this past few years. I think also because my son was small, so I, I was more focusing on the work than on the marketing. And now I am in the process of rethinking of how to be in relationship with social media. Would love for some of the other guests in this program to talk about how they see um, themselves there. I don't have much to say about that, but I can be found there and reached. And if you reach out, I will definitely answer. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a treat, Pilar. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Leela, and thank you for inviting me. <laughs>